Welcome to the Urban Wine Club podcast. Pour a glass, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we have an amazing webinar today, something that is very close to my heart, something that I'm very interested in, something that I don't know a whole lot about, uh, but we have the perfect trio here to, to, to kind of educate and, and show us the way. Um, but before we get into all the details, I'd just like to introduce myself. My name is Ari. Uh, thank you for joining us on Urban Wine Club's webinar series. Uh, as with me always is my co-host, Foti, who will uh, let you know uh, of the amazing, amazing, amazing information that we're going to have today. Hello, Foti. How are you? Yasu Ari. I'm doing well, and I've been waiting for this specific webinar for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th this is so, this is, it, it's just it's very popular. It's very hot. It's very trendy. It's absolutely important. It's something that everybody should abide by, should follow. And you know what? Once you educate yourself, whether you're an expert or just a novice, the more you know, the better it is for everybody, the better it is for all of us. Uh, and again, I'm not going to say too much more. Take it away. Absolutely. So, you know, this is our opportunity to um, discuss these topics um, create awareness and assist all of our guests and followers on making better decisions when it comes to drinking wine. So in this segment, thankfully, we have two very special and important guests who are going to highlight some of these um, topics. Um, and I want to introduce them before we get going. So with us tonight, our special guests, we have healthy living enthusiast and nonprofit director, Karen Sheehan, which is also a good friend of ours, along with our new friend, Zero Waste Consultant, Caitlin Reed, who's joining us for the first time. I want to thank the both of you for taking time out of your busy schedules to be with us. You know, this is, you know, very grateful and blessed that you're with us this evening. But thank you so much for taking the time. Welcome to the program. Hello. Uh, let's say, let's add a Karen first. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hi, Ari. Hi, Foti. It's so great to be here. I'm, um, I, I have known Foti and Ari for a while and um, love wine and learn so much uh, and have been really enjoying these webinars. So um, I will just say a couple words about me and um, kind of why we're doing this. Um, so uh, I started to be really interested in health and uh, nutrition and um, just kind of on my journey, as, as many people are, to be a good informed consumer, right? Especially with food. And that's kind of where it all started. Um, I needed to maximize my own uh, nutrient-rich foods when I was young and a dancer. And um, so that was really important to me. And then I became a mom. And of course, uh, being a really discerning consumer, um, being a mom is is probably the most important job. So that was really exciting. And then um, I am at a nonprofit now, which is an environmental uh, focused nonprofit. And uh, before that, I was at a um, human services nonprofit. And so my interest in health and nutrition took off because I worked with elders. And so as a student of the Blue Zones and really appreciating how people were living longer and healthier in some of these 
pockets around the globe and understanding the the commonalities that they had, um, I kind of incorporated that at my last nonprofit, which was really exciting. Um, and now I'm doing the same kind of work, uh, but in the environmental space with a focus on the ocean. Um, so it's really exciting. I'm now in the lovely ocean state of Rhode Island, uh, in Newport, uh, on the water, and um, really excited to be here. So um, one of the things that uh, is really a passion of mine is uh, nutrition. And so I'm currently in a certificate program uh, through the nutrition uh, school at Cornell um, and very excited uh, to be sharing the space tonight with my good friend, Caitlin, um, who's taught me so much about uh, the world of sustainability. And um, we're really excited to come together tonight because as I mentioned about the food industry, uh, you know, maybe about 20 years ago, the food industry, the media, the food producers, and the supplement industry started to use some buzzwords, and then they became ubiquitous. And we weren't really sure what they meant. And it was really our responsibility to sort through them. And so now we're finding that environmentally responsible companies and products that are grown and produced in a responsible way, uh, caring for the environment, consumers are starting to demand that, just like we started to demand 20 years ago that we don't have all kinds of dyes in our food or, or too much sugar or too much fat uh, or too much plastic pieces, which is in our food, you know? So uh, now it's more about consumers being more keen on buzzwords uh, like sustainable and green and naturally grown or zero waste. So I'm going to introduce my good friend and expert in all of those buzzwords to kind of help us break things down tonight. Um, so I think you're going to really enjoy listening to Caitlin. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, hi everyone. Thank you so much for coming. I am so excited to have you all here. A um, little bit about me is I, so I have a bachelor's in sustainable development. So I basically, I spent all of my college career learning about zero waste and sustainability and, you know, how the environment interacts with society and how society interacts with the environment and kind of how we can bring all of that together to create a sustainable and equitable future. Um, and so after I graduated, um, I, so I, gra I graduated from Appalachian State, which is in North Carolina, and I moved up to New England. I'm currently in Rhode Island, um, and I worked at the Audubon Society for a little bit. And I remember my life completely changed when someone was like, well, what does convenience really mean anyway? And that I, that really put, paused me for a second because I was like, you're right. What does it actually mean? Why, why do people all, like, why are we so excited about the convenience of getting it fast, mm -hmm. right? When mm -hmm. in, in reality, it's like, you know, the food that you enjoy, the wine that you enjoy, the activities you enjoy are the things that take more time right? And that really bring you in, right? No one enjoys the children's book anymore. They enjoy a full length chapter book and that takes time. Technically the little kid book will be more convenient, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that really changed how I thought about my life and how I thought about sustainability. And so I'd really like to talk about that a little bit and talk about convenience. And maybe you guys can, maybe that'll help all of you to be like, wow, what are the things in my life that I only do quickly out of convenience that if I stopped and actually took the time, I would enjoy a lot more. Mm -hmm. And also if you stopped and took the time might be more sustainable. Um, and one of my favorite examples is I'm currently a member of a CSA, which is a community supported agriculture. So I get as much of my produce and meat, um, as possible from this local farm who's collaborated with other farms in the community. And it takes extra time because they're only open three days a week. So I have to plan, um, you know, how, when I'm going to get my food, how I'm going to do that, what I want. They have, I've had to broaden my horizons on what I eat and what I cook. Um, but it's been a really fulfilling experience for me because I'm taking more time with what I eat and what I drink. And I'm taking more time with actually experiencing cooking a meal rather than just throwing together whatever I can and want that I'm used to. Um, and so that's been really exciting for me. Um, and so I'm really excited to talk to you guys today about sustainability and answer questions and how we can drink responsibly um, and sustainably. So I'm ready if you guys are ready. I don't know. I have a little bit about the wine. I can keep Absolutely. going if you guys have questions. So, yeah, so I... You know what we'll do? We'll, uh, we'll let people uh, ask questions in the chat. Um, you could, you could ask your questions to the entire crowd, or you could just send them private and I'll let you know. Okay. And, um, yeah, so, so just keep, keep talking about, uh, your, your topics and I'll, I'll let you know when questions are in and you could take them as they come in, or we could just have some time at the end where you could answer them. So what, whatever you, you'd like. Yeah, to I'm happy with either. I mean, I love to keep the conversation going. So sometimes a question in the moment can be sure. more relevant. Okay. Then at the end. So whatever works. Yeah. Um, oh, and then also <laughs> I met Foti and Ari um, through Karen. Karen and I work together at the nonprofit that she is currently the director of development at. And um, so I just absolutely love Karen and I'm so excited for this opportunity. And it's been really great getting to know Foti and Ari. So Mike yeah, that's how Caitlin. this all came to be. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. This, Thank you, Caitlin. We appreciate yeah. it. This is great. <laughs> So what we'd like to uh, maybe how we can kick off is that obviously our guests and our followers are wine drinkers, wine lovers, and our topic is basically tying in that whole um, conversation about, you know, organic and sustainability, right? Those are the two main uh, topics that would resonate with, with our followers when it comes to wine. So maybe we can talk about, you know, organic farming and what it means and sustainability and what does that mean? Absolutely. So let's, let's start with sustainability. Um, right off the bat, the best definition of sustainability that I believe is the best definition of sustainability is meeting the needs of the current generation without compromising the ability for future generations to meet those same needs. Hmm. certain resources in our environment that are finite and there are certain resources that are renewable 
So a finite resource is fossil fuels and natural gas, right? A renewable resource is water and solar and wind. So those are resources that can be replenished. They can be revived. They can be renewed. Whereas we only have a certain amount of oil, right? So that's kind of the best way to break it down. Once we use all the oil, we've compromised the ability for any other generation to come to use oil. Right. Thanks, Lena. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's what I studied. So then I went and I studied and I've dedicated my career to understanding how we can then implement these changes to make sure that I don't have any kids yet, but that my kids and their kids can meet the same needs and be able to survive as well as I have been able to, right? So we also break sustainability down into three different sections. And that's the environment, the economy, and society. So all three of these go together in a little bit of a Venn diagram. You can picture it. Um, and you have to have a balance within the three of these in order to have sustainability, right? If you have an inequitable economy, then, all, then environment and society will also be um, inequitable, right? And so that's another reason, you know, a lot of times right now we're hearing environmental justice is social justice. And that's so true because you can't have social justice without having environmental justice. Because environmental justice, environmental sustainability is innate to being able to survive. So, and I think a great example of this is more often than not, low-income areas, right, they have, they're the ones that are closest to the toxic dumping grounds, Mm -hmm. right? And they don't have the agency or the social status to be able to fight that. Whereas if a company went into a very well-off area and tried to dump their toxic waste there, there would be people that have the social and um, economic means to fight that, yeah. right? So that's, that's the example that I usually use. Um, so then we can get to wine because wine comes back to the environment, and, but it also comes back to the economy and the society, right? Like drinking wine is social, right? Mm-hmm. And every single person should be able to enjoy that social aspect of it, right? It's also a huge part of our economy. I like can't, I just, just thinking about the amount of alcohol that the world has consumed in the past 18 months with this pandemic is just insane. Caitlin, in in case you didn't know, Fote is responsible for about 50% of that. I do not doubt. I do not doubt at all. Um, So I just, and you know, Caitlin, thanks for, Thanks for some context in in a word that's being used, I think, just to sell stuff at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Wine, mm-hmm. Of, including. And, and so I think that, you know, like I said, one of the reasons why we were kind of inspired to do this mini series, um, and we thought that um, a lot of the viewers would enjoy kind of, you know, peeling back some of the layers to this. 
Um, there's a term that I learned about when I started working at the nonprofit that I do now and working in the environmental space, and it's called greenwashing. The term greenwashing means that a company knows now that us as consumers are starting to demand more of what Caitlin just explained, mm -hmm. right? And so businesses and productions and manufacturers, they're, they're starting to get wise to this. Just like the food industry and the media and the supplement industry got wise to the fact that, oh, we know what an antioxidant is now. So let's sell it by the billions of bottles like vitamin E and let's, you know, we know that it, that it works as an antioxidant. Let's put it in a pill and let's make billions of dollars. So um, now greenwashing is companies just putting on their labels or putting in their messaging or their marketing that they are sustainable. They are sustainable. And because sustainable, as Caitlin gave such a great definition, um, companies can maybe take one little piece of that and then just say that we're a sustainable company. And what does that even mean? So I think that, you know, we just need to take a moment when we see it and think, wait a minute, how are they using this? You know, what do they really mean by this? You know, is this, is this for real or are they just greenwashing? So, um, you know, I just think it's, I think it's good for us to be aware of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. <laughs> My favorite example, too, of greenwashing is when it comes to toilet paper, which, like, I know is a totally different subject than wine, but I used to be obsessed with the Scott toilet paper that was tubeless. I don't know if anyone else was a yeah. fan of that, but I was like, this is the best thing ever. I don't have a tube. That's, like, <laughs> way less waste, but in reality, that in and of itself is greenwashing because they're saying, hey, we're sustainable. Like, you can buy this tubeless option. But Scott isn't actually doing anything that is sustainable in making, in the making of their toilet paper, right? And just omitting that one piece was actually, it's actually more sustainable to buy a recycled or, um, you know, unbleached toilet paper with a roll than the Scott totally bleached white um, rollless, which like, I don't even think they sell it anymore. And this is how I learned all this, but I was like, dang it. I was, I, who went to school to learn about this and to not be able to like, be able to fight the greenwashing was totally a victim to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, and I think it's really hard with marketing, especially the way it is in the, you know, in, in the USA, it, yeah. the marketing, the commercials, the yeah. advertisements, like they really hit you hard and it makes it hard to understand what's real, what's not real, um, you know, what you could trust, what you can't trust because of the rules of like, so organic is, we, we, we discussed before, like there's a certain level of like, you have to be certified. So there's some right. level of like understanding that organic means something, but some of these other terms, there's no rules, right? Not so, yet. Not yeah. yet. And, and, and I think so there should be. Are you guys in agreement with that? Yeah, and I and I believe I believe that there will be. I believe that eventually, just like in the food industry, um, some of the terms will be, um, Caitlin. How would you say, kind of monitored, um, you know, and or there'll be some kind of overseeing body that will start to uh, own a, own a, own a term and then just give out designations. Um, right. And I know that there are. 
for, or for example, and I think we're going to talk more about this in another uh, webinar, but in terms of organic, there are different certifying bodies, whether you're in, in Europe, in Canada, in Mexico, South America, here. Um, and so, and, and, and of course, the different countries have gotten together. So there are some commonalities in those, obviously, right? right? Because it's, it's chemical, it's, it's, you know, it's obvious. But, um, well, but I'm telling you, the greenwashing stuff, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's definitely. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, I can, if I can add about the greenwashing aspect in the wine industry, it happens often as well, because there are loopholes in wine production where producers can purchased grapes that were farmed organically and they buy them but the second that those grapes come to the facility and they're fermented and produced then they're starting to add all these other elements to the production that really cancels out that factor of it being organic there's all these agents they go in unknown sugars synthetic sugars um sometimes they're considered chemicals that go into the production that create and manipulate aromas and flavors. So they can put on their label that these, this one was made from organically farmed grapes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't apply to the production of the wine. So wine right. can't necessarily be organic if it's being uh, broken down with all these synthetic sugars and all these um, stabilizers to make the wine taste smooth fruity um aromatic right and well i think that's also you know right now it's currently up to the consumer to figure all this out and companies are currently allowed to do like that saying that grapes right made you know made with mostly organic coffee or made you know put a little asterisk because this ingredient is organic Mm. and what I think is really detrimental, but is an, it, kind of a bigger issue is the fact that there are so many terms that are not regulated, mm-hmm. right? And then the ones that are regulated and Oti and I are having this discussion of, so one, terms like natural and eco-friendly, they're not regulated in any way so what that means is that when you look at and my favorite example of this is the stop and shop brand um if everyone is from the new england area then they'll know stop and shop i mean i i shop there still too you know when i'm not at my csa but so stop and shop has their own like nature's own brand it's the stop and shop brand and right underneath they have organic Or right underneath, they have all natural, right? So the organic is technically organic because they have that organic certification, which they actually have to pay for. And that I think is, it's also a detriment to then small businesses because the farm that I I go to, they can't afford to pay for the organic certification. Yeah. Caitlin, yeah, I was just going to say that to that point, I know someone who started a beverage company to get that certification from what I understood. This is not out al- is a non-alcoholic beverage. It cost him close to $100,000 to go through right. for his company 
all of the hoops to get that certification. So, right. So, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons and, you know, Foti was saying that it's the same in the wine industry and there are so many wines, both of the wines that we are drinking tonight. Um, one of them has the organic certification Foti, which one is that? Sorry. It's the red wine from Portugal from Afros. This one, I have a glass of each. <laughs> it's so fun to be doing like an environmental education event, but I get to drink at it. Most of the time, my environmental education events are with children. So that would be inappropriate. But, you know, here we are. So. Only if they um, see it as an inappropriate. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the red is certified organic. But the white, um, which I'm enjoying them both. um is they technically do farm organic but they're not certified because they chose not to pay that money but what's really incredible is that they then are able to market all the other different incredible things that they are doing that make them sustainable um so you know we're talking about organic we're talking about natural my like last comment before i get into the wine again is it's real, you know, because natural doesn't have, um, you don't have to like regulate it. It does make it more difficult. And that is another example of greenwashing because it makes it more difficult to be a conscious consumer, right? Because you're trying to make that decision to be healthier, but you don't have to like natural flavors. When I learned that was just a chemical that was derived from something (laughs) that was natural at some point, I'm, I think my heart broke. I, I, I I'm like, with Wait. you on that. Uh, I, I, somebody told me about that and I was like, oh my God, this whole time I thought natural flavors was something good. But again, right. it's what the, the, the greenwashing that we're talking about. It's, it's, it's that, and everything has natural flavor, natural right. flavoring. And so I, I, there was a long time where I was like, okay, I'm really going to try and avoid it. And I'm not going to buy this and I'm not going to buy that because it has natural flavor in it. And I mean, sometimes you just like can't avoid it and it Mm -hmm. is what it is. Um, but it is really frustrating because they also advertise it as like a great thing. And I'm like, but, but that's misleading, right? Because what makes this actually positive? How does it actually benefit your health? And the answer is that it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Right. And um, I think I saw a note that was like, what tips do you have? Um, yeah. Joanna asked, what tips can you give us to be more informed consumers? How do we know what's real and true? I mean, is there a way yeah. to know? Um, well, here's, well, here's the thing for wine. I'll, I'll, I'll speak for wine and then Karen and, and Kaylee, maybe you can kind of um, follow up with me. But um, unfortunately with wine, I mean, it's either a, you enjoy going to a specific retail shop because they know their stuff and they're going to help you uh, source that wine that is, or you just have to do your own due diligence. And thanks to the fact that we, you know, we can't live without our smartphones. We can basically just either a, you know, Google something on our phone to find about the wine or there's different wine apps that you can download to help you get more information. But it comes down to the fact that, you know, it's very difficult and challenging to kind of be able to figure out what is and what isn't when it comes to wine. Yeah. I would say, uh, to, Joanna, to answer your question in a very general way, which I think is probably one of the first uh, defaults we can, we can work um, with, is to know that if you see the word sustainable 
um, or eco-friendly. If you see those words, my, my feeling is that unless they first give you the specifics as to what they're doing, which makes them either environmentally responsible or, um, you know, they're doing a practice that's, that's good for the community or something, unless they're outlining and being very detailed about that out front, I would be almost suspicious if they're just using very vague words like sustainable or eco-friendly. I would, I would be more, um, I would be more apt to go with a company that's coming out front and saying exactly what they're doing, be specific about what they're doing up front. And I think that's one of the best ways to kind of separate them. Um, because if you look at marketing and if it's saying eco-friendly, just take a minute, go to their website, see what they're actually doing, you know, um, or go to their, I mean, they'll post on their social media, you know, if, if you want to see what they're doing, if they're giving examples about their farming, if they're giving examples about, you know, their, their ingredients in their foods, um, yeah. then, then you'll know. So a couple tips. Yeah, that was awesome, Karen. Thank you. And a, and a couple tips that I also have, um, one, if you're looking at a company, I, I'm like not trying to throw any company under the bus or anything like that, but I think Tide is a good example right now because, um, Tide has just like your regular, your Tide pods, your regular laundry detergent. And then all of a sudden they have a sustainable box which is like this cardboard box that's technically then also wrapped in plastic. And they're like, oh, this is the sustainable option. Technically it's not. And I'll bet you $5 that inside of that cardboard box is another plastic bag. So I'm not sure like how that's actually being sustainable because you actually have just put three different kinds of packaging, none of which can be recycled on their own. So I, that like, if you have a major company that then puts out their eco-friendly option, that's an indication that the company as a whole is not actually sustainable and not actually making a conscious decision to move forward with sustainable practices. But that they're doing, and they're doing that. And that's, that's kind of what really inspired us to do this webinar is is because of the fact that the, the, we are demanding it. We're starting to demand uh, being able to take a carton and actually recycle it and not have it covered and painted with a plastic covering because then you can't recycle it. So, but I just want to say one thing, Foti, aren't you so glad that none of the companies that Caitlin just named are your sponsors? Because I was going to say, no money. this episode brought to you by Tide. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, no, Caitlin, you're fired. <laughs> oh, my God. Tide, Scott, and Stop and Shop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, yeah. who's sponsoring this episode so that I don't throw anyone on? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> you're, you're fine. And even, even if we did have a sponsor for the episode and they were uh, committing these heinous Kick acts. Him out. Kick them anyway. out. Kick them out. Uh, you know what? On that note, let me ask one question that came in uh, mm-hmm. because I think it's it's with what you guys were talking about. Uh, but somebody asked, what are some of the biggest challenges for big companies to be sustainable or more sustainable? 
I mean, I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of challenges. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's a tough one. Well, I can I can tell you that um, that in general, one of the things that that we talk about at the organization I work at, Clean Ocean Access, is um, is a, a a premise called circular economies. Okay, so circular economies meaning that we are producing something and the waste of that, the, the reuse is going back into like plastics, for example, you know, a, a, big, a, a big culprit is uh, plastic film wrap. So it's around furniture, it's around boats that people use to winterize their boats. What happens to those millions of pounds of that stuff? Um, a lot of it goes, it gets diverted into uh, treks decking and things like that. But if it doesn't go back into making more of it, then we keep pulling, like Caitlin was saying, you know, those, those fossil fuels, right? More petroleum will be made to use to make more plastic. So and then we, you're creating more waste that also is difficult to be recycled. Right. So mm -hmm. one of the reasons, one of the barriers to that obviously is the economics, right? Um, and I think to answer uh, that person's question, Ari, is, you know, some of the companies need to be very creative about how to live in a, in a, in a capitalist, uh, you know, economy, which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's to make a decision and to do their homework and maybe partner with other companies and other entities in their space so that it makes sense for them financially and then they also need to be okay and trust consumers because if i have say if i have 20 dollars to spend on something say if i go into foti's shop and i've got all right say 25 dollars to spend on a good bottle of wine and i look at two different bottles of wine and foti says to me oh karen you know you're gonna be really interested this wine is great and he tells me about it, but then he also tells me the way that the vineyard produces the wine and what they do for their community. And the fact that they have all solar, um, you know, production. And then there's another one. He goes, oh, this wine's also really good. You're gonna love the taste just like this one. I'm gonna go with the first one. Why not, why, right? And so, and it's $2 more, I'm still gonna go with it. So I think that companies, they might have to make an investment to answer that person's question. They might have to, you know, it might have to be like, um, you know, two steps forward, three steps back at the beginning. But in the end, they're going to have to make those decisions because consumers are demanding it. So they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to be creative. And the technology is out there in almost every industry for them to be able to do it. It's exciting. It's an exciting time to, you know, be kind of you know, on this emerging technology and all these different industries. I get I excited about it. I, yeah. I agree that it's an exciting time, but I, I also personally, I feel like it's a scary time because if everybody was kind of educated and on board, I'd say like, this is like such a transitional, exciting time. But like, you know, if, if anything taught us anything over the last couple of years, it's like, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of like conspiracy out there. Like, $2 more for something that's going to help the environment. Oh, that's just, you know, somebody trying to make more money off of us and blah, blah, blah. It, it, people really need to be educated and really need to like, um, you know, 
be committed to that that learning process to to learn the the truth about what is truly sustainable uh, and i think that's such a big problem today i mean i, I don't know if you guys yeah. agree. no i agree and i and i also think it it comes it comes down to accountability as well and i think right now we're in this transition phase where we you know large companies get to put out that they're eco-friendly and they're sustainable and they're all natural, but they don't have to have any accountability to back themselves up. Mm-hmm. But as consumers continue to push, right, and as we continue to not take no for an answer and demand these kind of regulations, we are going to see these changes that are going to be really exciting and that are going to be really great and positive for the environment. Yeah. Um, and then I think one you know, and again, like we're kind of moved away from the wine again. Sorry. I actually have some really awesome things about the wine that I want to share. (laughs) But um, one of the biggest challenges for large companies, and you know, there's a whole aspect of corporate sustainability that you can talk about and learn about and climate capitalism and all these other things that could be a whole other webinar in and of itself. But Mm -hmm. one of the largest issues is like, a large company in a capitalist society, their main objective is to make money. Yep. So right now it is cheaper in the short term, Yes. not in the long term, but in the short term for a company to use fossil fuels, mm-hmm. to use, at, going back to what Karen was saying with the, um, the plastic that goes on boats, right? When we were both working at Clean Ocean Access, this was a big issue, it's still a big issue for her. Um, and they use virgin plastic. So plastic that is brand new every single time, because it's actually cheaper than take, than collecting all the plastic that we then shrink wrapped our boats in taking that and turning it back into, um, that same thing. Right. And that's that circular economy that Karen was talking about, but it's currently more expensive than creating virgin plastic. Right. And so it's those kind of shifts that are challenges for large companies that also rely on the government and on society to to say, like, hey, this shouldn't be more expensive. Right. It goes for good food. Right. Organic is always more expensive at the grocery store. Right. When we're talking about food equity and environmental equity and social equity. Right. It's inequitable for someone to be able to go to the grocery store, only have $20 to spend because they're only making minimum wage, right? And they have two kids and they have to choose between the, this organic product, this one organic product, or these five non-organic, probably not great for you, but no will fill the stomachs of their children for the whole week, right? Yeah. So, you know, anyway, I went off on a tangent there, well, but well, look, uh, be, be, you, we're going to get back to the wine, but uh, there's a couple more questions. Um, yeah. There's some for, for the wine. So I'll hold that question off. Okay. Um, we answered Joanna. So Lena has two questions. I see here. Um, there's a similar problem with buying furniture. It's not easy to find affordable eco-friendly labels, but the specific definitions under these terms are very different for each company. And that's oh more my gosh. So, yeah. So you know what? She has, well, one, she has another question. So let, 
let's 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 go wait, to our wait, next. one comment on that one comment yeah, on go that ahead, go ahead. johnson and johnson oh which like again not throwing any company they're, under not, the our they're, not, our they're not our sponsor they're not our sponsor okay they actually instead of working towards a third-party sustainability goal they created their own green list label to put their products on really so they just created this thing and it's like the johnson and johnson green list (laughs) talk about greenwashing and then they put all their products on it but they didn't actually have to meet any kind of sustainable regulations in order to do this but you know like there's a huge demographic of people they see that and they're like oh cool this is uh right this is all good that's the lack right and that's the lack of accountability that makes sustainability so challenging and yeah. so Ari Ari do you remember that remember when we were talking earlier you mentioned about when you first saw natural tasting or natural flavoring you yeah. got all excited yeah so it's it's just it's just you know as we evolve right and as we learn more about uh you know the harm that we're doing to the planet by constantly constantly producing new more virgin plastics right it's it's just evolution, you know. So 20 years ago in the food industry, um, you know, we started to understand what companies were were you know stamping on their containers about yeah. natural flavor. Mm-hmm. So it's just now now the buzzwords and the space that we have to be more diligent about looking into is of course now uh, the environment. But um, Caitlin, can you answer the question about uh, plant based bottles and yeah, boxes. That was, a, that was a second question from Lenich. Uh, what's yeah, your opinion? And boxed, oh, boxed wine. That's a well, really Well, you know what? Question. Both of those questions are kind of together. So let's, uh, let's stick them together. So one was, is boxed wine more sustainable than bottled? And what's your opinion on plant-based bottles and boxes? How legit is that? So here, uh, my one comment is going to be that the most sustainable, and I don't know what this would do with the flavor. I'm going to leave that up to Fotios, but the technically the most sustainable packaging would be aluminum. Aluminum is, as long as it's not, again, coated with plastic on the inside, which Coca-Cola bottles are. Um, look up that experiment. It's a little YouTube video with some, like, Bill Nye baby who just he melts the metal and left is just this polypropylene i uh, unfortunately saw that video and it's oh my god it's sad but anyway so aluminum is technically infinitely recyclable because it doesn't take any you don't have to have any virgin aluminum in order to remake the same product so a can can be made out of 100% old cans Right. Whereas like plastic bag, like you might see this bag is made from 50% recycled plastic. That's because certain plastics can't actually, the same grade of plastic can't be recycled. Mm -hmm. Um, So it takes, it takes a certain amount of virgin plastic with the recycled plastic in order to actually make the product. Uh. Right. So you actually can't recycle plastic. You can only downcycle it because once you make a plastic, okay, let's see. Once you make a plastic bottle, that plastic bottle cannot become a plastic bottle again with only old plastic bottles. You would have to have some virgin plastic 
to make a new plastic bottle. All of those, however, all of those plastic bottles could become plastic bags, right? So that's why you'll see plastic bag made from 100% recycled plastic because it's old plastic water bottles. But then from that plastic bag, it can't actually be recycled anymore. It can only be turned into more plastic bags. Ah, I see. I see. Right. So it can't ever become and it can't ever be upcycled and it can't ever be recycled. It can only be downcycled to a less sturdy type of plastic. So, um, but then, and I'm seeing everyone's questions too. So like, yeah, sorry if I go on some tangents. That's right. That's what I was saying. Like, you know, if we could jump in with a question, we will, but finish your thoughts. And when, when there's time at the end, we'll get to the the next ones too. Sounds good. (laughs) Um, so is box wine more sustainable than bottled? I honestly don't know, but because I've never, I've never really thought specifically but if i'm thinking about in a boxed if you look at a boxed wine you have the the cardboard box and then inside you have the plastic bladder right Mm -hmm. and that plastic bladder is the same as a plastic bag where it can't be recycled at a regular recycling facility and it can only become a plastic bag again Right now, the cardboard can be recycled and can be made into another cardboard box. Mm-hmm. So there's both of those. But then, if you have a glass bottle, you only have one type of recycling that needs to be done, and it can be done at any kind of um, commercial recycling. I almost said composting. Sorry, <laughs> recycling um, facility. Well, could I be could I be a Debbie Downer right now? I don't know. <laughs> I feel I. Sometimes I have a hard time because I feel like all I do is like bring people down. They're like, yeah, well, no. and I'm like, wait, wait, we'll get to the positives. <laughs> but I was just going to say very quickly, like, I, I think bottled is, is great because bottles, you know, it's glass and you can recycle it, but glass weighs a lot. So think That's about true. how much, how much wine is transported from place to place, shipped from place to place, flown, whatever it is, that weight itself is something that adds to its unsustainability or whatever you want to call it. But in Ari, that goes back to trying to always support your local farmer, your local yes. vineyard, your local, you know, FOTI. I mean, you can talk about the quality and the choices that we have in terms of local vineyards. I mean, sometimes it's just not possible depending on where you live. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's, it's getting better. There's definitely great local vineyards in New England. There's there's great vineyards uh, in the uh, on the Atlantic coast, like in the Carolinas. There's a lot of um, progression in local wineries in the East Coast for sure. But I mean, sorry. But the, my but um, but for those of us that enjoy certain types of wines, uh, we're not there yet with with getting them from our local producer, producers. Well, she, uh, Lena also asked about the plant-based bottles. Yeah. Cool. So what's that thought? Hmm. So it's a great thought. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like bursting anyone's bubble, but here's the thing. Wait, I, have to, I have to play that sad trombone sound when you Right. <laughs> right. So there's... Right now, 
having like compostable bottles, right? Plant-based compostable bottles, cutlery, bowls, cups, literally anything that's this like hard plastic that people are saying is plant-based. It's made from corn. It's sustainable. It's this or that. Technically, yes, it is. But the problem is that you have to actually be able to dispose of it properly, Mm -hmm. right? So if you are able to take your plant-based bottles and give them to an anaerobic digester, okay, so let me back up for a second. There are two kinds of composting. There's aerobic composting, which uses oxygen, right? And the oxygen helps in the decomposition process, and it turns your food scraps and your yard waste into that compostable that compost soil amendment that you can then use and that's a circular economy that's also something that both of our wines use they take all of their um byproducts and they're able to turn it into compost and put it back on the soil for their grapes to re you know to use that as use those nutrients to make more grapes to make more delicious wine Mm -hmm. the other the other kind of composting is anaerobic And anaerobic means without oxygen, right? And what it does is it's basically this big electric thing and you put compostable ware in it, you put your food scraps, you put your lawn waste in it and it turns that into energy, right? Which is also pretty cool, Mm -hmm. right? It's technically not, you know, it's not that circular economy that Karen was talking about where like you grow food, you compost it, you make the amendment, you use it to grow more food. But it is then turning that waste that would otherwise go to a landfill into something that we can then use, right? The problem with plant-based bottles, plant-based cutlery, plant-based, all of that, yeah, is that they have to go to an anaerobic digester, they will not decompose or degrade through aerobic composting because they are, they're too hard. Right. So, but if you are able to actually compost those in an anaerobic digester, then yes, they're better than I would say plastic. I wouldn't say that they're better than a glass bottle. Right. But like, if you had to choose between a plant-based bottle for your water and you knew you could compost it, then I would go for that plant-based bottle. Mm-hmm. The problem is that you have all of these companies that are like, yes, we have compostable cups. We have compostable bottles. We have compostable this, we have this, but then there's no way to actually dispose of it. And none of those products are actually recyclable. Wow. So whereas if you just had, like, if this was a plastic cup that I got to go, Right. And it was just a regular plastic cup. I could put it in the recycling and it could get downcycled again, because plastic can only be downcycled. It it can't be recycled and it can't be upcycled. It can only be downcycled, but it could turn into something else. If this is then a compostable cup, the, and I, and they don't have a compost bin my only option is to throw it in the trash. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So there's pros and cons to everything because if you took that that plant-based plastic and that restaurant 
that company said, hey, this is how you dispose of it. You put it in this bin. This is the compost bin. It goes to an anaerobic digester. It turns into energy. And that energy is what we use to run our restaurant. Exactly. I just, I want to, you know, and summarize, and just summarize. And you have, I just, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to say that um, I, I'm seeing some really cool questions about wines, but I also wanted to say that I, you know, you don't want to be Debbie Downer, Ari, but I think that it's important for us to have some balance, right? So everything that Caitlin shared is really good information, but what That's I've common. learned, yeah, and but what I've learned, though, working in the environmental space now is that it's not about each one of us redesigning our whole entire lives to live this straight and narrow 100% every, every decision we make to be environmentally perfectly friendly. It's not that. It's not how all of society moves forward to get a healthier planet. It's about each one of us doing little bits. Because if the masses do little bits, that's better than a handful of us doing, trying to do everything. Uh, We'll affect change. We'll affect change if we do that. Um, You know, Bill Gates um, has a new book out, um, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. He talks about, you know, protein alternatives. He talks about uh, architectural and building supply alternatives. Um, you know, it's a great book if anybody wants to kind of get a, a lay of the land across industries. Um, but I hope that Foti can answer a couple of questions that came in because I'm really curious about Joanna's last question. Mm-hmm. And then there's another question about wildfires in Australia and California. Which is coincidental, the article podcast that you sent us, Karen, uh, talked about uh, the wildfires and how they affected the taste of the wine. Foti, you want to have at it? Sure. I mean. Um, so his yeah. question it was, have wines from California, and Australia been impacted by the recent record setting wildfires, which scientists say are linked to climate change? Could that help drive change in the industry? It definitely will not immediately um, because it's going to affect wines that are going to be coming to market in a couple of years, because what's in the market now has already been produced, you know, one or one year to two years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's what's in the pipeline that's going to be affected. So there's probably different measures, measures being taken now on what's going to happen with that crop because of the fires. So fires have devastated vineyards and there's loss of vineyards. Then, what's going to happen is these producers and farmers are going to probably reach out to other farmers in other areas that have not been affected by the fires and try to purchase um, uh, crop or produce or grapes from elsewhere Hmm. to blend with their current salvaged grapes that they've have Hmm. been scorched or burnt. I forget the amount of years it takes for it to come back to life again. I think it's about, could be five plus years before that soil is um, healthy enough to grow vines. So, uh, okay. So um, because we're, we're kind of running 
uh, low on time. Uh, let's just jump real quick into Joanna's next question, um, and then we'll end it. So Joanna's last question we'll answer now, and then Joanna's previous question we'll, we'll, I, I think we could end with. So her last question was, Fati, will you talk about why French wine is usually less processed clean? I'd like to know why and why don't other countries follow suit? Well, um, that goes for a lot of other European countries. So France in particular um, is a country that makes up about thousands of different wineries and vineyards. They have a very um, involved wine industry. Um, they are the pioneers of winemaking. Um, they set the standard uh, from years ago as far as quality and being disciplined. But also countries like Italy, Spain, Portugal, Greece um, are all um, advocates and, and um, they also produce wine in a very clean fashion because we mentioned a lot of these small wineries, family-owned operations, um, they practice by tradition organic farming. And they've always been involved in um, the practice of being sustainable because of their traditions as well. Um, so France is in the top of most people's minds as far as, you know, clean, less processed wine, but so are all of these other countries in Europe. So the European Union in general, uh, their countries produce wines in a cleaner fashion. And what does that mean? Is that the EU actually prohibits a lot of what is allowed in the U.S. for winemaking. Interesting. All right. Thank you so much. All right. So, um, yeah. So why don't we end with uh, this next question? I think we don't, um, want, we don't want to end. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep going all night long. Uh, and this I think uh, both, the timing on that. <laughs> <laughs> both Karen and Caitlin, I think, can, can go to this one. So uh, Joanna asked another question, which was, um, what terms can we trust? Fair trade, single source, local are there terms that are regulated besides certified organic if, say, we're shopping at a supermarket? And is the wine industry following suit? Because I rarely see these terms on wine bottles. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that, Caitlin, maybe if you could give a synopsis of a couple of those, but then Foti would be the best person to talk about the wines, right? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, and Foti and I did have the discussion about the wine because that was something that I was really interested in when we were talking about, I mean, it's the Urban Wine Club. Like I really wanted to understand it from a wine perspective. Um, so I, I think that the best terms that you can trust are, are local. Um, I think, you know, because usually local has to be within at least 250 miles. Otherwise, it's not local. Um, and usually if it's local, that means that you have a lower carbon footprint because it didn't have to travel as much. And because um, you are more than likely supporting a smaller business, right? Especially in the Northeast. Um, and, you know, the one comment is fair trade. I think I would say usually you can trust fair trade. There are some issues with whether, you know, it's an issue with like livable wage, whereas technically the minimum, the federal minimum wage in the United States of America is $7 and 25 cents. <laughs> federal. 
Now, that's what I made in college because that is the minimum wage in North Carolina. That's what Fatty makes right now, too. Right. In Massachusetts, the state minimum wage, which then trumps the federal minimum wage for the state, is $11. In Rhode Island, it's $10.50. So you have to make that you have to make that minimum wage right now in in fair trade situations when you're importing from third world countries it might technically be fair trade because you are paying out the minimum wage that is dictated by the government but mm. just because it's dictated by the government doesn't actually mean that it's a fair and livable wage good point because let me tell you Seven twenty-five an hour did not pay for all of my bills. No, that's okay? ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and, um, and you know, we, there's there's a whole conversation on that, and we're yeah. not going to obviously get into it here. Of course, of course. But you know, the the topics that we're covering are just they're so we could talk. This is the first episode, just so everybody out there knows. This is the first episode in a series because there's so much we're going to talk about. Um, but please, Caitlin, finish finish your thought, and then you know we'll, yeah. we'll sign off after that, and and I'll I'll tell everybody about the series. So so yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I think that was I mean that was kind of the end of my thought. But the thing that I do want to leave you all with, because I feel like sometimes when we have these discussions, people are like, and this happened to me all the time. What, like, what do I do now? Because you're telling me that this isn't right. And this isn't right. And this doesn't actually get recycled. Right. And I think what I hope that you can take away from this at the end of the day, with all this knowledge of being an informed consumer, and that as of right now, it is on the consumer to make those decisions. Yes. Right. And hope I hope that one day it can actually be on these regulatory bodies that we are supposed to put our teeth in. As of right now, we can't. So it is up to us. So, and I think a great step is coming to this webinar and talking about it. Yeah. So keep doing you. You're being awesome. Then my last point that I want to end us all with is it's okay to be imperfectly sustainable, <laughs> right? It's okay to use your, co- to get a single use coffee cup, especially in the pandemic. My 2020 goal, my like resolution was to not use a single use coffee cup. And I didn't. And it was the worst because I never got to have my coffee. And I never, you know, I didn't go to any local places because I couldn't you take my cup right? It was the worst year to do that. And then in 2021, I was like, I really just miss like getting a good cup of coffee. There's this local place. It's called a simple merchant. And I just like really want to get their coffee and I'm going to use the single use cup and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And that's okay. Because you as a consumer, as a person, as an active member of our society are taking steps to be more sustainable. And we, like Karen said earlier, we can't ask you to be perfect. I can't ask myself to be perfect. Speak right? for yourself, uh, Caitlin. <laughs> oh, sorry, Ari. I Ari have to say, but, Ari but, but, is how well, however, perfect in every way, and he never does anything, never does anything wrong. 
Yeah. So I whittled I whittled down but, a tree to use as a toothpick today. So I have to I have to say though that I I'm appreciative of the fact that Fotios found two wines that are both really delicious and good choices. If people want to do those small steps, just make some small steps. And both of these wines are excellent. I'm not a huge white wine drinker, as Foti knows. Um, and I really like that. I like it a lot. Um, the red wine is probably going to be one of my favorites. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. They were both delicious. I did have a glass of each during this webinar. <laughs> um, anyway, what? but yeah. So thank you so much for listening to me rant about all these different things. It was so great to talk to you all tonight. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say one thing. I'm going to say that we've done a lot of webinars. We've talked about a lot of subjects. This for me is something that is absolutely 100% probably one of the most important things we've ever talked about in a webinar. Something that affects me, affects like, I mean, it affects everybody, but it really affects me because I think about it so much and I love to hear people who are really knowledgeable on the subject. And you guys, I mean, this, this one uh, um, episode that we just did, I learned so much. I, I never even heard the, 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 the term down cycle. Like that's something I learned today. And it's amazing. Like the, the, there's so much for us to do. There's so much for us to learn. We really need to inform. I, I think that's the best weapon that we, as people who care about environment and sustainability and all these things, the best weapon in our arsenal is information and, and like thought out and, 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 explained properly because again we're in a society of really ridiculous misinformation about so many things and people just don't want to believe this and people just don't want to follow that and it's like people seriously this is our one life our one planet our one time here it's a short little time that we have here i mean please we we need to make the best of it we need to follow you know proper protocol for 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 what's best for everybody and, and as a society we need this and karen caitlin and 42 i mean amazing information i learned so much and i i appreciate it and i, I thank everybody out there listening tonight watching the pod uh watching the videos listening to the podcast they're going to learn so much and i just want to say on behalf of urban wine club on behalf of me and Fati, thank you caitlin thank you karen so much for everything you brought to us and just everybody out there know that this is the first in a series because there's so much for us to talk about. And, it, it, you know, we're, we're going to do a, a whole series. We're going to talk about different subjects that fall under this umbrella. And, you know, please follow us. Stay tuned, watch, listen, because it's really good information. I've learned so much. I'm sure people out there learn much. And, and again, thank you, Karen. Thank you, Caitlin. And uh, Fati, you want to say anything? You yes. know, it's weird. She, uh, I, I bet you Caitlin didn't even know this, but um, she mentioned your nickname that I used to call you the anaerobic digester. So <laughs> that was like weird. I, I don't even know how she knew about that. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. But uh, I wanted to personally thank both Karen, Karen and Caitlin, and obviously Ari for a job well done. 
Um, and as Ari has mentioned, uh, we're excited that this is the first of many episodes, which each episode will gonna um, you know really define certain subjects that we'll discuss and elaborate on them. And what's even better is we're gonna be discussing these topics while having wine. Yes. Right. So thank you very much, uh, Karen and Caitlin. Uh, we really greatly appreciate you being a part of this. Thank you very much. And we love this platform. You know, Ari, you said that, you know, it's it's great to discuss things. And the Urban Wine Club has created such a great platform to talk about wines and talk about spirits. But uh, this is part, you know, this is one industry that absolutely can step up. And it's one part of our lives that we can make some good decisions. Just, you know, even small changes make a difference. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys once again. Karen Sheehan, Caitlin Reed, Botio Stamos, Ari Kalos. Thank you guys. <laughs> we, 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 this was a great, amazing uh, segment, and we appreciate you guys bringing that knowledge to us. And everybody out there, please stay tuned for more. Watch this video, uh, listen to the podcast, share it with your friends. This is the most important information I think we could have right now. And please inform practice good uh practices for sustainability as much as you can like uh, caitlin said you can't be perfect you can't be like me you can't be perfect but every step you can is is very important and thank you all for 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 being with us thank you for watching thank you for listening caitlin karen poti thanks again and we will see you next time good night everyone good Good night night, everyone thank you so much Bye bye